They shoot the shit. They shoot, they shoot the shit. Shoot, 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 shit, shit, shit. Shooting the shit with Chippa. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another fun-filled episode of Shooting the Shit with Chippa. As always, I am your host, Chris Chipman, a.k.a. The Chippa. And before I get into my very special guest for this evening, I'd like to thank my $15 or more a month patrons. You are Mason, Christopher Finnick, Patricia Chipman, Hugh K. Campbell Jr., Alex Peregrine, Kevin C.V., Mike the Gatherer, Tyler Freshcorn, Mark Price collaborating online, Alex Shaw, Seth Comfort, Seth Decker, Andrew Krause, Little Nikki, Robert V. Aldrich, Aaron Moriarty, Carolyn Thompson, Scott R. Curie, and Shore Hansen Gusted, and to my newest patron, Max Fries. Thank you all so much. Um, I would be doing this even if I didn't make a dollar off of it, but I'd probably be doing it far less because time is money and hobbies sometimes go by the wayside, especially when life gets crazy. So I really appreciate those of you stepping up and giving me an incentive to hang out and have fun with my friends and also inspire you guys to do the same. So I really, really appreciate that. This show, like a lot of my new recent episodes, is brought to you by Skeeter Plays. It's a Let's Play channel over on YouTube being put on by one of my very best friends, Steve Brennan. Um, You've heard Steve on the Talkbuster podcast a couple of times. He's an absolute delight. He's a great guy. And um, his Let's Play channel is great. So get on over to Skeeter Plays on YouTube. Check it out. And with that, today's guest um, is somebody that I've spent um, lots of time retweeting and talking to on Twitter. And... um, I, th- I think also Film Rescue Show. Are you in in with that crowd? Um, I I know of them and like I've spoken to them, but I've not been on the show yet. Right? Yeah, they're they're a great group of people yep. too. But you know, Adore just them. just a, a really fun Twitter friend, and we finally got him on. So Matt or DJ Stormageddon, as some others might know him, dude. Tell tell uh, the the shooting the shit folks about yourself. Sure. Um, I'm very excited to be here. I'm a longtime fan of Talkbuster and uh, Shooting the Shit. So uh, I'm really excited to be here. Um, I am a podcaster, a Twitch streamer, and a DJ. Um, I've been DJing and podcasting for almost a decade. Um, the Twitch streaming is a little less, but uh, but still really into it. Um, yeah, and uh, I'm just really happy to be here. Uh, I We connected over Twitter. We ran in the same circles. We know J.D. Martin over um, on, on um, uh, the, uh, the Hall podcast. And, yes. And... Uh, a uh, great group of folks over there on that Discord as well. Um, yeah, and we've been in the same circles revolving around each other on the internet and uh, finally connected, and I'm really glad we did. And it would have been really cool, um, you know, seeing that you have a Fuser hat on right here in this picture. It would have <laughs> been really cool the last day I was out in public, basically, was PAX East. Yeah. Um, did, did you get, were you at my panel? there so i wasn't able to make it so uh it was it it was at the same exact time as the panel that i was on oh, otherwise of course. i would have been there and, and, that's and how I that think, works <laughs> and i think i remember that exchange um yeah. with you and i enter it just it's it's always one of those things i think back because let me tell you um i don't know how that that was the second packs i've ever been to um no it might even be the first no it's the second and 
I like Bob was like, oh, yeah, you know, I, I've, I've put in to do a panel every year and they've never picked me. And I've been like, you know, working for the escapist to figure out the cloud. He goes, somehow you and I pitch one and we're all of a sudden there. He goes, I'm just going to say it had something to do with you. And man, I, I know there's a lot of haters out there that tried to pretend, you know, because they don't like Bob for whatever reason. Whatever, but yeah. I looked out like I. I've talked in front of DC. I mean, like, you know, doing the engineering thing, mm-hmm. which is my, you, you end up in situations where you're talking in front of a lot of people. That was a big friggin' crowd. And I, I, I it was awesome. It was that, so cool. P- PAX is just such a great community of people. Yeah. I hadn't been to a PAX East since the second one, the, the very first one they did in Boston. The second one, I went to both of them and then just my life went in other directions and I couldn't really make the time. And then this year leading up to PAX East, I've been doing a plethora of podcasts that we can talk about later. But one of them is a Mass Effect uh, focused podcast called Reignite, where awesome. me and a good friend are replaying the trilogy uh, as if we were Shepard and making decisions as we would make them and then discuss them, which has been a lot of fun. And it's gained a lot of momentum and we've connected with a ton of mass effect nerds because that community rides hard and uh one of them is a creator and writer named liana rupert she's on uh twitter um she currently is over at game informer and she's putting together a panel about ranking all of the love interests across bioware games and uh she's like who wants to be on my panel and i was like i do and um it worked out and it was me her um kenneth shepherd Jesse Vitale and Morgan Shaver. It was in a great, great panel. It was a ton of fun. It got out of hand real quick as we started ranking people. And like, I I had done panels before. I had done live podcasts before, but they were on the smaller kind of local level, you know, maybe like 50 people, 100 people. There were hundreds of people in this room and it was amazing. It was just, it was a blast. PAX East, I hadn't been to in so many years. And to think it feels like so many years ago when it was only back in March. Right. Um, right. It was, it was a day before my birthday. And I remember, um, you know, going to PAX East, and then the next day, I took the day off from work, and I went and saw Birds of Prey. Nice. And then I all the next thing I knew, my kids were out of school, or my daughter yep. was out of school, and we thought, okay, it'll be a couple weeks, and then it's December, or <laughs> no, it's like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. and, and so thinking back to that, it would have been really cool to, to hang out and chat. I mean, I'm uh, psyched we're getting to chat in person right now, but, uh, totally. you know, um, that... Yeah, it's it's just funny how paths cross, right? Because I mean, yeah, you're, you're in Brooklyn, right? In, I am in Brooklyn, mistaken. New York. So yeah. it's not we're not crazy far, but no. you know, at the same time, the amount of people you can cross paths with that you like randomly had a conversation with on Twitter at PAX East yeah. is so cool. Um, yeah. So you know, t- t- tell tell me, uh, you know, um, God, you, you're doing so many different things, and and I, and. <laughs> And we, we let's start at Fuser. We were talking about that before. Um, and that you know, that big, crazy, you know, electric daisy carnival looking booth that they had, um, was very eye catching. And I remember walking down there and going, Whatever that is, I want to see it. And I'm like, Okay, cool, it's a rhythm game. And I'm still like sitting there completely not picking up on the fact that, of course, this is a harmonics game, right? You know what I mean? And as soon as you play it, it's like you ever played frequency or amplitude hell even if your only exposure was the first two guitar heroes or rock band it just they have a look and they have a way they do their stuff um intuitive you you hit the nail on the head but i'm walking and i go i was talking to the guy waiting in line and i'm like oh this kind of reminds me of a harmonics game and he points to the shirt and i'm like (laughs) oh 
I feel bad. He goes, oh, that's okay. He goes, they really kind of surprised everyone with this. They weren't really telling anyone they were making this game. Um, and yeah, so you you having a, um, a finger on the pulse of that that world, you know, yeah. um, when 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 did you start being a DJ? Like, how long have you been doing that? Or when you know what I mean? When did you do that? So, um, I mean, I'm not doing much DJing now in the pandemic of, of, because, of course, of course, everyone should be staying home and wearing a mask if they go out. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so I started DJing about 10 years ago. Um, oh, I wow. had, I had been a music nerd my whole life. Um, I grew up, my dad set a precedent when we, when I was a kid, he would listen to vinyl records on his stereo in the basement with his headphones on just laying on the floor of the basement, listening to records. And so like I got that experience early. I collected cassette tapes for a while and then CDs of course, and now everything's digital. Um, but my, my breaking into any sort of DJ industry for whatever we want to call that, since a lot more things are independent now, um, was, uh, through burlesque. I had a friend of mine who was a burlesque producer in Brooklyn. Um, and, and uh, we had been chatting and um, I had been helping do the door at his smaller burlesque shows, just, you know, helping him keep an eye on the crowd and stuff. You know, nothing really ever got out of hand, but I was just always lend a hand. We'd become friends um, through a now defunct um, Doctor Who theme bar called The Way Station, which is unfortunately no longer around. Oh, but, uh, that sounds so cool. It was a, it, the bathroom was a TARDIS, like an actual life-size TARDIS it, uh, on the outside. It wasn't big. It was a little bigger on the inside, but not quite the same. Um, but um, we connected and um, he's also the one who gave me my nickname of Stormageddon, which is born of Doctor Who, who my actual name is Matt Storm. And he was like, oh, no, 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 you're Stormageddon now. After that episode aired, he was like, that's your name now. Um, awesome. But uh, his regular sound guy started to produce in other places and started doing other things. And he's like, hey, do you want to run sound for the show? It's really simple. Like the performers will send you a playlist of their music. And then you just, you know, when it's you when you're cued to do it based on what the notes are, you just start the music and they do their act. And so that's how it started. I was just doing the music for the show. They were giving me all of the music. And then around a year into it, one of the performers, Nasty Canasta, who is one of my closest friends um, and an incredible human, she was like, hey, we're going to do this themed show. We're thinking maybe based around superheroes. Do you think you could throw together a themed playlist? And that and like that was it. I've been making mixtapes since I was a little kid. Um, so uh, I did that and um, created some of my own mixes. And she was like, this is fantastic for all our shows now. I'm going to have you build the playlist. And that's kind of how it started. And then I started getting gear together. I started doing private events and weddings. And, you know, it just kind of built out from there. Um, Talking about Fuser, though, I'd never really done on-the-fly live mixing like that because I don't own turntables, not currently, or even a digital platform equivalent yet. Right. But Fuser allowed me to do it in a way that now I think I'd feel more comfortable to try doing that um, once we can have parties again. Uh, but yeah, I love doing it. I've always been into music since I was a kid. I like pretty much any genre. Um, I have favorites, but I, I kind of listen to a little of everything. And yeah, it's been great. I miss doing it. And like you brought up Fuser, I put so many hours just in the first couple of days of playing that game because I'd forgotten how much I missed live performance. Um, I streamed it on my Twitch channel for only a couple of hours and I got that rush of like people requesting in chat certain songs and like me, you know, playing the campaign. And I was just like, oh, I missed this. I didn't realize how much I missed this because I've been at home, head down, working on podcasts and working on other things. But I did miss this live performance. And so 
with the thanks to Fuser, I might start incorporating that into like doing weekly concerts, quote unquote, on Twitch using Fuser or whatever. We'll see. But uh, oh, that, so yeah, that's awesome. Oh, that's so cool. And and it, it made me really happy when I heard you say that the the intuitiveness of it, even though, you know, you you haven't done that particular style of DJing, the intuitiveness reminded you of how you'd really do it in, in real life. And that's that's something I think that a lot of people don't quite get yeah. about what harmonics has always been trying to do. And I, I have a big bent about harmonics because they're Boston based. And so it's, yeah. you know, it's one of those things where it's like they're close by. And so there was a bit more of a connection there, but had you ever played their pre guitar hero games called frequency and amplitude? So I played Amplitude a little bit, but where I got closest with harmonics was Guitar Hero 1, and then yeah. we branched off with the Rock Band games. Right, yeah. So so I had Frequency and Amplitude in college, and like I was getting people hooked on these games, and then <laughs> Guitar Hero comes out, and it just it, it, it was all over after that, because you, you could feel that that was the next direct thing that they would do, right? It just made sense. And I, I love Fuser, because Fuser is going back to that Frequency and Amplitude style of okay, so obviously not everybody wants the instrument anymore, even right. though that was such an amazing thing they did because it let so many people know what that experience could feel like. Like it's yeah. not going to, it's not going to teach you, well, you know, it eventually was able to, you know, and then with games like Rocksmith, it absolutely can't teach you to play the guitar, but sure. it, I, I've been learning, you know, how to play instruments with a friend more recently and just the timing and hand placement, even though it's not exactly the same, that experience, you know, it's almost like VR, right? You just, you, yeah. you put it off a little bit and like all of a sudden you can feel what that is. And I think they tapped into something that, and it got people interested in music It got people yeah. interested in creating music and Fuser. I see if, if it has, you know, obviously the, the, um, live DJ thing, especially right now. I mean, they couldn't have hit it a better time when everybody wants that experience again. Yeah. And the game replicates that so well. Um, I remember sitting there and playing it and I've never done anything like that in my life. <laughs> and just in the demo at like five or 10 minutes in, like it, it, it just felt so intuitive. Like it was an extension. It's like, I wasn't even paying attention to what I was doing. I wasn't even looking at where the downbeats and where I was at on the bars. I just knew by the sound of the song and I'm like, yeah, man, I love this. I'm so into this now. And if, if it can give, you know, the next, you know, like eight year old that aspires to be a DJ, that like confidence of, Hey, I could actually do this. Um, you know, and then I, now I want to learn. And again, Activision tried to keep going when they when they basically said to Harmonix, hey, you know, your silly instrument thing will never work. We're going to stick with the guitars. And then they had to branch off. But they tried with DJ Hero, and DJ Hero was a fun game. Yeah. But Fuser is different. Yeah. Like D DJ Hero was was Guitar Hero with a DJ thing. There, there was it was just an instrument to play notes. Yeah. And it was the same thing as Guitar Hero. This is, you know, I was talking to one of the where they're pushing the game. And he said, he goes, what we envision is that you have, you know, like five or six people over for a party, like a chill, like have some beers, have some food, talking out kind of night. And the game becomes the soundtrack for the party. And yep. you're just passing the controller around. And each person starts adding their own thing to the mix. That is wild. 
like yeah. to them like it's just such a different experience for a rhythm game and i think uh i think the possibilities are huge if it takes off yeah i agree i mean uh i liked the rock band games but the peripherals i mean once once we went from 360 and ps3 to ps4 and xbox one i didn't you know, I didn't buy Rock Band Four, and I didn't keep. Right. I didn't. I didn't even keep my 360. I switched to a PS4 instead of an Xbox One. So, like, I couldn't even use my peripherals anymore. And so, I, and which I was bummed because I probably spent thousands of dollars on all of the Rock Bands, the instruments, the DLC. Um, but with Fuser, going back to the non-peripheral thing makes it so accessible and so easy to do. And like having it available on PC, having it available on the consoles with cross-play, and like. I just I think I hope it takes off. They've already started releasing DLC. They have a roadmap for DLC through the end of the year, um, and I, and I hope it does take off. Like I I've really enjoyed it. It's it's one of those things also that allowed me to showcase my skill at identifying sounds and beats and stuff in a way that I didn't think I could. Like I'm there. They have community events that they're already doing where they have a theme and they restrict the songs you can use and ask you to make a mix and then you can record it, export the video, which is brilliant. So you can share it places and post it to the event. And I did one for their first event and like, the places I dropped the drums out and then dropped the, and put them back in and like dropped out the keyboard. Like I didn't think, Hey, now's a good time to do that. I just kind of did it. Like you were saying before. And, and your brain kind of knew where you were in the song without even yeah. having to hear it. And, and that's, that's something my friend, James Kramer, when I was in college, he was that guy that was a little bit older than the rest of us. Mm-hmm. And he worked for the college radio station and he ran a late night house and electronic radio show. And I was a resident advisor and helped him put on a couple of um, college safe raves. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? That he and and I would sit there and watch, and you know never never got like never never like over. But he was still spinning with like live records and everything. And I right. never um I never you know went back there and like tried to get like in his way. But I just tried to watch and try to figure out what he was doing. And I'd love to hear his thought on this game because you know. I just don't know like what it's like yeah. when doing because the game, you know, is playing off of your knowledge of the songs. But when he's doing it, is he like he's not listening necessarily to what he's playing. He's going and finding the part that he's going to drop in and mix in. And and yeah. that that whole world of being able to anticipate. I never knew what that was like until I picked up this controller and played this game. And it's like, it's really just like a vibe and a flow kind of thing. And, and it becomes the way you react when you're like driving and you don't think, okay, now I move the wheel a little bit to get out of the way of this and go over there. You just do it. Yeah. And, and that is way different than I thought it was. And it's, it, it's so much fun. Like, you know what so I mean? And, and yet you can still listen to the song and you can still hear it. And like, when I hear the things drop on the downbeat and it's cool. Yeah. The crowd reacts and that's a good feeling, but I kind of go, that sounded so good. Yeah. <laughs> like, how did I do that? Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. And I, I got, I, I need to get further into it cause it's, it's just wild. But, um, but bef- before we drop out of the, you know, just this being the harmonics is amazing podcast, um, <laughs> cause, cause I would do that all day long. I wanted to ask as, as a streamer, this would be something cool if they have emulations of it to try to find, um, have you ever played the PSP rock band game? No, actually, um, ah. I didn't know there was a rock band on PSP. Yeah. So let me tell you, as as a fan of harmonics from Frequency, 
uh-huh. when when they said we're going to make a rock band for PSP, I was like, when, when they said it, everyone was like, well, how does that work? What are they going to sell a guitar that plugs into your PSP? And I go, I don't even like I know these guys well enough just from me playing their games that it's just it's going to be amplitude, but with rock band branding. Yeah. And that's literally what they did. So you have the the tracks, but instead of it like being like that weird futuristic thing, you've got a crowd and you see a band on stage, but you're still jumping between the instruments and trying to turn the bars on to keep the song going, just like in Amplitude. So they literally made a sequel to Amplitude, but just skinned it as Rock Band. And that's it's wonderful. Great. But with that's all awesome. the songs of Rock Band 1 and 2, basically, were in it. Ooh. That's so, awesome. or, or, or most of them, you know what I mean? So it was, yeah. it was really damn cool. And then, you know, Activision made that silly um, Game Boy DS uh, yep. version of Guitar Hero. But With it the weird, played, like, four but it was fun. Yeah, it was it super was. fun. But, uh, you know, just like Activision lo- missed the part that it's supposed to innovate. Right. They were like, oh, it's a peripheral and you play a guitar game. And and harmonics was like we want to add a whole band, and right. we want to add a keyboard, and we want to make a guitar that plays like a real guitar. And Activision is just like, person hits five buttons, play game, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, and that's fine, you, you know. Um, the, the game sold like hotcakes for yeah. three or four years. There it was insane. But uh, so you did the DJ thing. What got you into um the other stuff you do? Like what got you into podcasting? So it's, it's, it's all linked to music. It all branches from music. Um, uh, about 10 years ago now, maybe a little less. Um, so I have, I had a long running blog for a while called crash chords where I was just kind of writing my thoughts on music, nerdy musings and stuff. And then after a while, a friend of mine, John was like, Hey, you know, you're a big nerd and you love music and you talk about it all the time. Why are we not making a podcast about music? Like, it just seems like a no brainer. And he was right. And so him, myself and my friend Steve started the Crash Course podcast, which was a a weekly album review show where every uh, Tuesday, no, Monday, we would release an episode about a different album. We would each host would take turns picking an album for us to review. And then we would do a track by track breakdown of that album, rate it, and then maybe talk about a music topic. And we did it. We did it for many, many years. It's been on hiatus now indefinitely for a little while, but we did over 200 episodes. um, And they're still all available on whatever podcast platform you prefer. Um, But while doing that, um, I was a big fan of a podcaster who I don't talk about anymore because he turned out to be a shit heel. But he got me interested in interview podcasts and talking head podcasts and um, others that I do love still like Mark Marin and Kevin Pollack, who recently retired his podcast a few years ago. Um, I was like, oh, well, I do podcasts and I have a microphone. So selfishly, I was like, I'm going to start an interview show so I can be like those guys. And um and that's how Autographs got started, which was born out of Crash Chords. It started as just interviewing musicians. Um, uh, I knew a lot of indie rappers back in the day. I still do. Um, and uh, that's where it got its origins. And then eventually the show evolved into not just being about music and interviewing pretty much anybody I was interested in talking to. Um, and that kind of got the ball rolling. And it, and it wasn't until many years later that I connected with some friends who uh, um also wanted to do podcasts because I was already doing one on my own with autographs. Crash Chords had been winding down. And so I I wasn't intending to pick up other stuff. Uh, And then uh, my friend Jeff um, 
who does uh, fun and games with me, which is my video game, one of my video game podcasts. We were just, we were, we were talking endlessly, hanging out with our spouses as well. And they were both like, look, if you guys are going to talk so much about video games, why don't you start a podcast? And we were like, huh, why don't we start a podcast? <laughs> yeah. The bane of everyone's existence. When someone gives you an idea you hadn't thought of. Uh, and so we started fun and games, but the idea behind fun and games was like, I don't want to do a, a, a a news and review show because there's so many of them and there's so many that are better. Like I can't compete with waypoint or like any of the other gaming podcasts. So like our decision was like, let's talk about topic, like changing topics in gaming and just talk about why we love them. And so, you know, we would talk about a genre of gaming or uh, a certain industry trend or, you know, um, a certain genre of storytelling. And it, continued to evolve until it became like we were going to, we had, we recently, uh, as of last week had the incredible Rebecca Valentine who works for GI. Awesome. She came on to talk about her upcoming video game cooking podcast. Uh, like we started having interviews with folks, bringing people in from the industry to talk about it. We had a ton of different community managers come on like Manny Perez, who works over at uh, Bethesda came on to talk about doom. Like, and then from that, I evolved and spun out SideQuest, which is a um, alternating Fridays and every Monday. It's a five to 15 minute episode with a different host each episode talking about a game they love and why they love it. It can be any game. There's no restrictions. The only rule is you have to love that game and talk about why you love it. And that was born out of, and I'm sure you've seen this a ton, Chris. When a new game is coming out, the first thing most people want to do in the gamer crowd is talk about how terrible it is or how it's going to suck or why it's bad. Yeah, and, yeah, 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 yeah. And so getting fed up with that, I was like, I want to put into the world a show where people are just talking about why they love something. One of my earliest episodes is with the incredible Nathan Brandt, and he, they talk about how they love Fortnite and not in the ironic I am popular way. Right, it's right, right, like, right, right. It was sincerely, this game brought me joy. Um, I get to play with my friends. We get to screw around in this brightly colored world. Like, and that's the kind of stuff I want. And so that's been a real blast. And then everything else kind of spun up from there. I started my Mass Effect podcast with my co-host Frankie. I have a uh, TV and movie podcast called uh, Screen Snark, which uh, as of when we're recording this coming Monday, we just did an uh, episode with the incredible Matt Young, um, well-known podcaster, uh, extraordinaire and actor. Uh, like, and that's just a reason for me and my comedian friend to goof off and talk about current media, you know, and then like, it just spun out for there. I started editing for other shows. I became the producer of shut up Evan, which is the tagline is about queer shit and pop culture. Uh, mm-hmm. It's hosted by the incredible Evan Ross Katz, who's a, a fashion writer and a, a general just nerdy guy on, on the internet um, with an endless love for Sarah Michelle Geller. And we've had, you know, that I've had a lot of fun producing and like sometimes asking questions on the show and doing the intros with him. Like it just kind of spiraled out from there. I think it all was born out of my nerdy love of audio and how I listen to things differently. Like I always knew I did. And like it just, once I realized this was a thing I could actually do, uh, it just kind of blew up. Yeah, that's. It's like listening to myself talk, even though you're you're the the, <laughs> the geek the geeky thing that you're geeky about the thing that it spawned off of isn't necessarily the exact same as mine. Yeah, but our but our loves cross over and just right. It's like I I I like to think back and I try to tell people this that I never thought I'd be good at this. Like I yeah. never listened to a podcast. <laughs> I think I think the first podcast I ever listened to was Welcome to Night Vale, and and the reason I liked it was because it was a show. Yeah, you know what I mean. And like so, the idea of like I, I used to think like 
So I'm going to listen to a couple of people talk about something. I do that with my friends and it wasn't like a, you know, uh, like an elitist thing. It's just, I didn't get it. Mm-hmm. And then my, my, my friend Tim invited me on his, uh, which is cinema inspection, him and his, um, wife now, uh, now wife, um, host that show. And I just got addicted to it. And I'm like, this is wonderful. And I'm like, yeah, but it's going to be so much work. I can't do something like that. And then Bob was like, my fans want me to have a podcast. You and I like to talk. So there's no effort involved because we just talk. And then little did I know it was entirely a ruse to get me to create something. And he gifted the show to me. And now I can't stop making things. <laughs> it's the exact same. It's like, oh, well, I did the, like, like even within shooting the shit, I've, I've had, um, you know, people on that you, they end up getting a niche when they come on. So it's like, now yeah. I have like a sub show within the show. <laughs> and, and oh God, <laughs> yeah. the yeah, chip made one... this deep space nine. Oh man. Uh, my spouse actually just started a rewatch a few months back of deep space nine. And every oh. so often I'll watch over her shoulder. I, I love deep space nine. I just, I have too much other stuff to watch. Of course, of course. <laughs> and, um, you know, it's it's just so much fun because when when you find people that are enthusiastic about something that's either the same as you or mm-hmm. recognize or recognize that you don't know necessarily about it but are completely opening a door and aren't just yeah yaying them to death like you're getting excited hearing them talk about it that's electric you can't yeah. you can't fake that you can't script that you know what i mean and yeah. and so if you it's just so damn collaborative yeah. Yeah, it, it totally is. And like talking about that electricity of finding a niche, like all of my podcasts are for indie podcasts are doing well. Like my audience isn't humongous, but it, it's a nice size and we have a lot of interactivity and fun. However, with Reignite, my Mass Effect podcast, what I didn't realize when because it was all my co-host idea, Frankie Bradley Lestrange, who I adore. Uh, she was like, let's create this thing because we love this thing so much because we we used to date and then we stayed friends and our friendship really formed strength around the Mass Effect franchise because we just loved those games. And what I didn't realize when we created this show is that because Bioware has been kind of stingy with the IP, because the most recent one didn't do as well as the original trilogy, people are hungry for content about that original trilogy. You know, there were some comics, there was an animated movie, but there wasn't a lot. And so what we didn't realize is once we started making something with that label, that people would find it. And like, you know, when you're starting out as a podcaster, I'm sure you know this, like I'm sure a lot of your early listeners were people who knew Bob, you know, right. or who Absolutely. were from other uh, other like avenues. And that was for most of my shows, that was the same thing. Like the friends I had in burlesque would tell their friends, like that's how that kind of started. But with Reignite, that was the first show where like people in Australia were listening. We have a fan, uh, shout out Commander Nikki, if she listens to this, she's in Germany and she found us through just looking up Mass Effect stuff. Like that blows my mind. I have one listener in germany i i like i i I don't know that i will ever not be astonished by that that people just find the thing i make and they genuinely love it you know i have tons of close friends who i've grown up with who i've known my whole life who don't listen to anything i make and that's fine like there's no pressure for that but it's just astonishing to me how people find stuff and like talking about niches for sure like that's the best way to find people because if you're passionate about this thing it absolutely translates to the people listening who are also passionate about that thing yeah no ab- absolutely and you know the like you said creating an interview show that that's w- what i've done here and what i love about it is that I'm not constrained by who I can talk to. 
Yep. And and so you end up having a good chat with someone, you know, I don't care if they've got 10 Twitter followers or, you know, 15 million. Yeah. It, it doesn't matter. And people will say, well, what, why would you want me on your show? I'm not going to bring you viewers. And I'm like, well, one, that's not why I'm doing the show, even though <laughs> the viewers is exciting. Like you said, you know, a, a, a funny story. Um, very similar to, you know, you, you, when I looked at like, you know, the, the podcasting app and it said where your views were coming from. And I started seeing them slowly branch out of the United States and like, like, Oh, there's like four in Czechoslovakia. And there's like, <laughs> and I'm like, what is happening? Who's listening to my podcast in there? Like, yeah. Yeah, but, but it's like, all right, I, I guess. Cool. Uh, you know, maybe someone's translating it, you know, and, and, and like, who knows? Um, crazy things happen, but my friend Steve, who I, I promoted his uh, Let's Play at the beginning here, this yeah. was the wildest one to me, is he's an IT guy at work. Mm-hmm. So he is logging into his boss, who is like probably in his 60s, 70s. Mm-hmm. His boss does not know me. Do you know right. what I mean? Sure. Uh, at least through Steve. And Steve goes, okay, he goes, I'm going to, I want to show you a screenshot. He goes, I was doing some login edits on my boss's computer. He goes, so I'm not going to tell you his name or like, he goes, but look at down in the corner here, what he minimized before I came on. And I'm like, he's listening to shooting the shit. He's like, yeah, no way. (laughs) And I'm like, ah, that's so freaking cool. That's amazing. That's so great. That one blew my mind. I'm like, really? Like, um, yeah, it's it's so weird when you find out because like you said it, it like okay, wouldn't it be great to get like 100,000 views and like this and that, but sometimes when you find that one or that two that really touched and reached someone mm-hmm. and like like when you find out that like, you have like fans and I'm not talking like oh yeah, I know you and I think you're cool, but it's like when they go like I've interviewed people before and they'd be like, "Yeah, and on episode 4 when you talked to this guy and you were talking about that and I'm like whoa wait what <laughs> like i don't remember recording that like that's so cool and it's like I, i'm i can't wait for them to like like have like simpson style canon where they're like yeah but you you know you said you did that but that's not what happened and i'm like oh <laughs> because I, I think it'll be hilarious sure. um but i don't know i i just i i like putting stuff out there i love i love that i went from thinking this was something i would never do to now it's given me so much confidence. Like I'll like, yeah. I, I got confidence in doing karaoke through doing this. Nice. Yeah. I, I put together, I'm sure you saw that live talk buster thing. Yep. Out just, uh, I have no idea how to do a live show or if anyone's even going to show up, but screw it. I'm doing it, you know? Yeah. And, it, and it went off. Awesome. It was so cool. Yeah, um, the confidence you can get from podcasting is kind of astonishing. And also it makes you remember that people are just people, right? And like the my favorite example of this is on a not too distant episode of um Fun and Games this past year. I think it came out over the summer. Um Jeff and I had the pleasure of interviewing Grant Kirk Kirkhope. For those yes. who don't know, listening, Grant Kirkhope is the uh I would say the modern modern father of video game music. He yep. he worked um, on parts of Donkey Kong Country. His first game was Donkey Kong Land, but he is a composer for games. He got his start with Rare. He's 
famously known for Banjo-Kazooie, Mario and Rabbids, Donkey Kong 64. He is the voice of Donkey Kong, which he tells the story on our podcast. And like that happened because he's pretty uh, responsive on Twitter. And I tweeted at him. I'm like, hey, do you have a contact email? Uh, We'd love to have you on our show. And he's like, oh, I have a form on my website. Just fill it out. And I was like, oh. Like in my head, I'm like, oh, here we go. He's just deferring me to his website. I'll send it into a void and then he'll never talk to me again. Fine, let's give it a shot though. And I sent it and with like two days, he emailed back saying, hey, this sounds like so much fun. I'd love to chat with you. And like, I, I don't know that I would have ever done that even two years ago, but because I've made some friends in the games industry, but also lots of people have come to me about what they love about what I'm working on. It has instilled me with this courage more for the listener, less for me. Like this guy's my hero. I don't know that I have the stones to talk to this guy, but I think it'd be great. And he seems really nice. And and of course it went off without a hitch. He was a delight. He wants to come back on. He was lovely. Like it, you know, but it's doing something regularly and talking to people regularly that can instill that confidence. That's why I started streaming. Streaming is like an evolution of podcasting, especially if you're doing a talking head show like this one. It's like, all right, I'm just going to talk to everyone instead of a single person in front of me. And like, you know, it had its rocky start and I burned out on it in the early days. But, you know, as I met other streamers and got some advice and figured out a schedule that worked for me, it grew. And, you know, that's another thing. Like I just passed 300 followers on Facebook uh, Twitch with which for some people isn't a lot but for me who started with one and no one really paying attention for the fact that even 300 people follow something that I'm doing is mind-blowing to me and it's all born out of that confidence of just doing you know if you really want to do something you have to work at it and just keep doing it you'll get better or you'll find something else that you're better at from it but no um, skill sharpening on doing a thing will be wasted because you learn as you do no, I, I, yeah, I couldn't say it better myself. And uh, as 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 someone in, in my age group, you know, being thirty six ish years old, so like mm-hmm. thirty five to forty age group, I have found Twitch the like egg that's hard for me to crack. Mm-hmm. Um, and just because it was hard, just like with podcasting, it was hard for me to find something within it that like sparked me as like it. Because a lot of what was being played on Twitch were games that I didn't find accessible for myself. Like the, right. you know, I've I've always tried to be like, cool. You know what? I'm gonna buy this new first person shooter because I played a ton of Counter Strike and Battlefield in college, and I'm gonna get back into this. And then even if I get it on day one, I just don't have the time to put in, yeah, to go up against people like that. And it really it it really broke my self esteem. And it's just like I want to pick up a game like Fuser. And have a bunch of people cheering me on playing it. And yeah. as soon as I found out that that's what Twitch was. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, or that you you can use Twitch for that. I actually, yeah. you know, we did that grumpy old gamers panel. And my brother kind of looked at me, Melfa Gape, where I said, hey, you know, I'm going to say something that's probably going to throw some people off base here. But I'm going to say that I actually think Twitch is awesome. And everyone <laughs> in the crowd was like, what? And I go, yeah, there's negative stuff there. There's negative people on there. But that, that can be said about everything. But I go... Tell me the last time you had that feeling of being the young kid beating Pac-Man in the arcade while your dads are over in the bar drinking and you're sitting there and all the people crowd around to see what you're doing. That's Twitch. People are going, whoa, oh, he's, whoa, he, or he's about to get, you know, an achievement or a high score. Everyone get over to like Stormageddon's show. And then you (laughs) see the, you see the eyes like, like, and it's like, this is so cool. And I, I'm very glad we found a way 
because the early days of the internet to play video games became a very singular exercise yeah and it really and again i think the singular exercise is still a great thing like being able to play competitively is great Mm -hmm. but what i don't like about it with everything being that way yeah is that it it breeds this very singular very selfish gamer Mm-hmm. And I think part of what makes games amazing is that it's a shared experience. It's not me being better than you. Yeah. Even though there is something to that, it's no, I love this game. You love this game. Let's pass the controller around the room and try to beat it together. And Twitch, I think, sets that flame back on fire, you know? For, for um, sure. And and another thing, you know, just streaming in general of games and people that put their Let's Plays up, it's, you know, my daughter's autistic and we have to spend a lot of time. And again, she's, she's very functional, but mm-hmm. there's just things that take her a lot more time. And so video games, I, you know, it's a really good hand-eye coordination thing. She doesn't quite have it figured out yet, but she likes them and understands them. Mm-hmm. And so I'll put on a let's play. I bought, you know, my brother got us super Mario 3d all-stars and I said, Ava, this is a Mario game. And she loves Mario. Yeah. And I started putting on the let's plays while I was at work. And mm-hmm. then I turned the game on and she knew where everything was. So she, so I'd be like, Ava, tell me where to go to find, you know, this star. And she knew like she remembered That's awesome. and I'm like, Oh, this is so cool. And now we have that shared experience, even though she can't quite pick up the controller and do it herself yet. Right. You know? And yeah, that's, got, that's great. And, and again, I, I think, you know, I've, I've watched your stream a few times now Thank and, you. and again, it's still, it's something that's a hard egg to crack for me mm-hmm. on like, you know, how I'm really supposed to interact with it. I'd love to try doing it myself. Um, just cause I think it would be a blast, but, um, I, I love what you guys do, you well, know, I, you. and what's so, so what's your, um, being someone that's a bit uh, foreign to it, like what's your um, angle on, on how, on how you do like approach Twitch? Like what's the type of audience you're looking for or what you're trying to go for? So it's funny. uh, The reason I burned out on Twitch when I first joined it is because I didn't know what my angle was. Right. And I really racked my brain to try and figure out what it was. And then I was at, I went to Magfest a couple of years back and I did the streamer panel and uh, a ton of really great streamers were there, including Tanya DePass, better known as Cypher of Tear, Urban mm-hmm. Bohemian, and Imperial. And they were talking about streaming and how, you know, most people who stream full-time aren't still doing it as their full-time job. They have other things, you know, you can't, you have to have, you have to have a way to segment it to keep going. But like at the end, they did a Q&A and I asked, I'm someone who experienced burnout. I don't always know what to play what do I do? And she went, she just looked me, Tanya looked me dead in the face and said, do whatever the fuck you want. It doesn't matter. Like, and I was like, I don't understand. She's like, if you have a following, even if it's 50 people, even if it's 20 people, they are showing up to see you. So it doesn't matter what you do. Of course, like if you just sit around, they might get bored or they may go elsewhere. But the reality is they're tuning in for you and what you're going to play. So if you don't feel like playing a game one day, then don't say, hey, chat, I'm not going to play anything. I'm just going to hang out for a bit. If you want to hang out with me, that's cool. And like it totally it seemed so obvious, but it totally changed my perspective. And so as I gained some followers and as 
I started to build it up. I let my community dictate what I was doing. And in the early days, when I got back into it, I was playing some retro games on the Switch. I played through all of Super Metroid. I played some Super Mario World. I would let my Twitter feed pick the game I was going to play, and then I would play it. Awesome. And then the, the niche that really shifted it for me, and I think has made it easier for me to do Twitch, is when I realized what my Reignite community was coming to Reignite for, which was two people who love a game, talking about why they love it and how their decision-making process affects the progress. And so when I started playing Dragon Age Inquisition um, on the PS4, I started streaming it, and I hated the first Dragon Age, and I hated Dragon Age 2. I just I played them on Xbox 360. I wasn't good at them, and I couldn't get through them. But a friend of mine and my spouse's gifted us Dragon Age Inquisition. Well, they lent it to us and then moved across the country, and then she said we could keep it. But <laughs> that said, um, I had it, and I never really played it, or I didn't get far in it. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to start over. I'm going to make myself in the game. And I'm just gonna I'm gonna play this game from the beginning. And people started to come, be, whether you know, me reacting to the characters that I liked, you know, the horniness these characters have for each other in this game, and like commenting yep. on that, and like people just found. I'm assuming, and I'm inferring that they found um, a, a warmth to the engagement of the community, and the fact that I was playing this game with a lot of storytelling and making choices and a lot of heart. Like, they enjoyed that. And then, like, most recently, like, I'm not a horror game person at all. Like, I can't play them. I'm a coward. But I had had the first Dead Space for years and years and years oh. um, on the on the Origin Store. And I was like, you know what? For Spooky Month, for Halloween, since I can't celebrate Halloween this year because I'm a responsible adult who's not going to go out, I'm going to play Dead Space. And y'all are going to come with me. And that way, at least if I'm terrified... I have you in my corner. And it really made playing the horror game a lot easier. I jumped. I got scared. But it didn't matter because, like, the community would react. They would laugh. You know, one of my one of my listeners on Reignite, who has also been joining the streams recently, knew the Dead Space games really well, so wouldn't, like, spoil anything for me. But if I got stuck, would help me through. And I think the, the engagement is really what's done it. And, like, all you need is one or two viewers who are loyal or who want to hang out or who want to chat to give you the momentum and the confidence like in podcasting to keep doing it. And like, and then I played dead space two and I got through most of the, uh, a chunk of dead space three, which I may go back to, but like games that I would have never even played. I played because friends that I've made on the internet really like those games. So I was like, let's give it a shot. And like, now I'm considering buying the Resident Evil 2 remake to try streaming, which would be a terrible oh, idea because it's, it's terrifying. So good. I'm sure it is, but it's also <laughs> like, like I played the Resident Evil 1 remake on the GameCube. I rented oh. it at a Blockbuster, and after Yay. 20 minutes, I had to have my dad return it because I was like, it's too scary. I can't play it. Yeah, they they <laughs> they doubled down because because the original Resident Evil is is scary, and the original Resident Evil 2 is scary. But they doubled down on on the remakes that that GameCube one. They yeah. just injected it with terror, oh, and yeah. and Resident Evil two. There's something about playing through that world and that game with the over the shoulder mm -hmm. Resident Evil four moving forward camera. Oh, actually, Code Veronica moving forward camera. Now now that I think about it, but um, mm -hmm. I love those. And again, I I, I I'm. People go, you know, Chris, you love horror so much. And I go, yeah, I go. But the reason I love it is that I'm really, I'm a really easy sell on it. Like yeah. I am so skittish, but I love it. When yeah. I was younger, I hated being scared. Yeah. Now I love it. But I like, you know, I'll go through a haunted house 
and jump like a teen, like a teenager, you know, I just, I, but I like it. Like I sit there and go out, like I feed off of it, you know? Mm -hmm. And, uh, um, you know, just cause you mentioned horror games, uh, I always like to find out if anyone ever played this game because it blew me away. Um, rarely do reimaginings of games, especially when they call themselves a sequel, mm-hmm. um, ever work. And there was this brilliant one. Mm-hmm. And I don't think anyone played it. Um, but maybe you did. There was It was a game. It was a Silent Hill sequel. Mm-hmm. And it was called Silent Hill Shattered Memories. And it was on the Wii. Have you heard of this? I have. So I've not played it, but I had a friend of mine who is obsessed with the Silent Hill series, and he talked about it all the time. And I remember hearing about that game. I have not, unfortunately, myself played it though. All right. So I won't. I won't. It's got a. It's got a big surprise in it okay. that makes that. I mean, the game is incredible anyway, but it has a big surprise. That's one of those like. Had this been like a big main, like like a huge smash hit, this mm. would have been like the Shyamalan movie of of the video game genre. It just it really does an incredible thing That's with awesome. the story that blew me away. But it starts off as just a reimagining of the original Silent Hill. You're a dad, mm-hmm. you lose your daughter, and you're stuck in Silent Hill looking for her. But then the game veers off course from the direction the original one went and becomes this own wholly unique thing where now it's not, you don't, it's not like a resident evil ish type game anymore. When, when silent, when it's, when silent Hill switches on, you just have to run and escape and hide. There's no way to fight back. There's no, you just have to get the hell out of where you are. And these things come at you and run at you and you have to like use the Wii remote to rip like shelves down off the walls and like block your path and hide like in, um, in like doorways and closets that you can see out of and you can see the things walking past. It's, Mm -hmm. it's terrifying. And they, they did such a wonderful job, but the game keeps jumping out to a psychological evaluation in first person. They really utilize the Wii motion controls great in this game. Mm-hmm. Um, and you realize as you're playing the game that I played through it twice because I wanted to see the psych evaluation change. I'm, it's, I'm sure it's like a hundred pre-recorded different ways, but it right. changes based on how you've played the game. Like literally as one character, there was like a, a dirty like um, calendar on the wall and mm-hmm. I just happened to catch my eye. So I shined the Wiimote and your movement of the guy moved independently. So the mm-hmm. remote was your flashlight. And so you could look all around, but walk in whatever direction independently. And I shined the light on this poster and looked at it. And he said in the psych evaluation, he goes, you know, um, maybe there's some sexual repression you need to work out. I saw you look and I'm like, wait a minute, what? And then the other character, he didn't say that to. And I'm like, wait a minute. Like <laughs> this game is literally psychologically evaluating, but this is not the twist. Okay. But this is something incredible. And and I love just and, and I highly recommend playing through this game because it's it's this iconic thing they did. Mm-hmm. They made the Wii Remote be a cell phone. So you know you have your standard map and you know inventory HUD, but then you can dial numbers, and that became a thing in the game where you gotta call people and get information, and there's all in-game numbers, so they don't have area codes, it's just a you know, seven-digit thing. Right. And you have to put it up to your ear and listen. And oh, that's like cool. it's like you're on a phone. But 
I was going through the instruction booklet. Remember when games had those? <laughs> yeah. And it said at the end, you know, it, it had a page that looked pretty normal, like the standard warranty information. Hey, if you need help, call the Konami helpline. And I'm like, all right, cool. They still do those? <laughs> Wait a minute. It's only a seven-digit number. And I'm like, let me see. So I type it in in the cell phone in the game, and a per- someone picks up. And goes, thank you for calling the Konami helpline. This is Katie. How may I help you today? And then, like, it gives you a moment to, like, say something. And you inadvertently think you're going. And goes, oh, we see from the GPS on your phone that you're in Silent Hill. There's no helping you. Oh, my God. And I'm like, <laughs> wow. Like, that's, that's amazing. So cool. And it, it, it's just so immersive. And I, I love. And it scared the shit out of me. I would sure. play it at night. And I, I you know. It just scared the absolute shit out of me, and and, and I get I get that completely. Um, but I would highly I would love watching you play through Resident Evil Two and get the shit scared out of you. Yeah, it's one of those games that uh, like horror games. It took me a while to realize it's communal, and it's like uh, one of my best friends, Matt Karen, and I growing up when Resident Evil Two first came out, he loved the Resident Evil series. He bought it, and we would sit in the dark at his mom's place in the living room and just play it. And every time, like. Mr. X burst through the wall like we would just jump 10 feet in the air and like that I didn't mind because I had someone with me in the same way that like when Five Nights at Freddy's first came out I would never play those games but watching Markiplier play them at that time it was like oh this guy is also a coward but he's still playing anyway and this is so much fun for us both to get scared crapless you know and I think it's that kind of thing that like led me to play Dead Space on my stream is like oh I have people with me and they're going to get a good chuckle out of me being scared, but I'll know I'm not alone in like a quiet room by myself because I have people watching. So like it just, it changes the dynamic of the fear a little bit. So it's more uh, tangible or you can engage with it better. And so, yeah, so I might explore that more. We'll see. Uh, Right now I'm committed to finishing Dragon Age Inquisition and then I'm seeing what my uh, followers want me to do next. Uh, I have a few ideas, so we'll see, but it's been fun so far. That's awesome. It's it's really cool. Now, I again, me being ignorant of streaming, I didn't. Now you're saying you're playing on PS4 and Switch. I always just assumed people were only playing on their computer and that they were emulating or somehow. How do you stream off of a Switch or a PS4? How do you do it? Well, with the PS4, there's two ways. The PS4 has Twitch built into it, and you oh, can download Oh, I, I didn't Twitch, know that, and I have and a PS4. You can just stream, okay. and you can share just directly from the PS4. Um, but what most people do is use something called a capture card. Um, there are a bunch of different ones you can buy, and what it is is a go-between between your computer and the console to capture the footage, and then you ah, use okay. a program like Streamlabs or OBS, and like so for your switch or for the ps4 it plugs in via hdmi and it just captures the footage and so you can record yourself playing those games and like i haven't done the switch as much lately just because um i uh i just haven't been playing my switch as much um but i was doing it for a little while and like when i did i do extra life every year and like two years ago i played through most of luigi's mansion 3 on stream and things like that um but yeah it's great and like there are cheaper capture cards that literally just capture the information and then there are more expensive ones that have like you know buttons on them and you can program like you know things to happen on stream when you press certain buttons like certain effects and stuff it's uh it's a lot of fun it's really cool 
And I had no idea either until I asked somebody. So that's perfectly natural. Yeah, I just no, assumed the same thing. <laughs> it's really starting to interest me. And, and you know, since you, since you're doing it live, I'm a, like the, the capture cards and the interface, you know, is what allows to do the picture in picture so people can mm-hmm. see you and the all right, wow, that's I, I just see lots of possibilities. That's why I'm <laughs> I'm I'm asking because I think it's really cool. Like it, and I, I had a conversation with someone about this the other day, but it, it it's a performance. Yeah, you're playing yes. a company's game, but it's free advertisement for them, number one. Yep. And number two, people are showing up because of you. They're not sh- they're not going to your stream because they want to steal um, Final Fantasy VII from SquareSoft. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, it's it, 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 it's it's the same as a trailer at that point. You know what I mean? Yeah. I what I love about streaming that that's been like the let's play thing that I've really enjoyed is I'm getting to go back and play games that I like didn't finish mm-hmm. and don't have the console to play anymore. Yep but was like so bummed that I ran out of time and moved on to something or I, you know, never had an Xbox, the original right. Xbox. I missed an entire generation of games. Right. So I, you know, can go back and watch somebody play through, you know, fable and actually get to see it, yep. you know, or, or Shenmue too, which I, I never got a chance to play, even though the first Shenmue was probably, if you had gone to like, you know, 15 year old me, that was the best video game ever made of all time. And nothing will, cause I was just obsessed yeah. with that friggin' game. And God, yeah, I think yeah. I beat that 10 times. <laughs> wow. Yeah. The, the, there are people who search Twitch just based on games. And I've had people like when I was playing through the last of us one, and I have not played last of us two yet, but I was playing last of us ones in anticipation of it. So at that time I thought 2020 wasn't going to be a garbage fire. And mm-hmm. I play that game but anyway when i was playing through the first the first last of us i had people jump into my stream just to see where i was because they know where the story goes and they're like oh you're at this part oh, i'm gonna hang out because something cool up ahead happens but i won't tell you what like that was really fun too is that you know and i try and do it from time to time but i've got enough of a list of creators that i enjoy that i kind of just check in on them but th- when i'm in the mood for something like occasionally i'll search for my all-time favorite game which is chrono trigger the best Woo-hoo! rpg um, I, it's the best Final Fantasy game ever my, made. Also, fight me, Internet. Um, it is It is very true. <laughs> um, but I will occasionally search on, on Twitch to see if anyone's playing Chrono Trigger because I love that game. And I've played it so many times and I've still not seen every ending. And I've beaten that game like 15 times at least. Um, you know, and that's always fun too. Like if there's a game you really love, just spending some time with it, if you know it really well, um, can be cathartic just to be like, oh, this is familiar. It's like home, you know? But you're getting to see it through someone else's experience. And that's totally that I think is super important. And it's also an accessibility thing. Like there are literally just, you know, you have the entire subset of, of the video game public that either can't focus Mm-hmm. enough to to play a hard game don't want a hard game or physically can't do it anymore and right. now they get to still experience the thing that they love and that is so friggin cool yeah. and and the fact that any asshole company is trying to squash that still blows my mind 
Yep. You know what I mean? That, that they complained, well, you're stealing our content. It's like, no, 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 no. Like the music industry has realized, even, even though that industry still needs to do a lot of work, artists have realized that maybe making an album and selling it, <laughs> you know, yeah, that makes us money, but that is not the billion dollar enterprise that we think it is. Yep. But getting getting people to hear our music and then show up and see us live and want to support us is so getting away for people to see your content actually makes you sell more. Totally, and and it's it's a weird difference in capitalism, but it works for sure. And like indie companies have embraced it more. Like I will absolutely shout out like um, the company that makes Forgone, which is a side scrolling action game that I yes. love. They sent me a code. Like I, I asked for one because I wanted to play it and talk about it, and they sent me one. And now uh, Dino, who is one of the the um, developers of the game, who worked on it, is coming on Fun and Games in the future because we connected. And like, like they understand that if I give this one switch code to this one guy, something may come of it. And like I've already convinced like five friends to wishlist it and to possibly get it. Like. Uh, if I love a game and genuinely enjoy it, I will free of charge sh shout it out to the rooftops because I don't know how to shut up about video games, you know? And so, right. and some companies have realized that other companies still fight it, but like there is a lot more love for streamers and just content creators in general now than there was in the past. Now the system is still broken. Like a friend of mine was streaming uh, Halo One on Twitch the other day. And they muted his entire stream because there was copyrighted music, which was the Halo music, which is stupid because you're streaming the game and crediting the game. That's not the same as like playing Beyonce without her permission. So what the hell? And so yeah, like that, that kind of stuff is still out of hand, but there's no real way to fight it yet. Yeah, that's that's weird. Your your user license agreement should be should end with the game. Yep. I I like, yeah. and that's why old television shows have a hard time getting re released on DVD and everything else. And yep. oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's and again, it's it's all it's all because of capitalism and the fact that we're broken. That's, that's true. <laughs> that's, that is definitely and, true. And and I don't have a solution because there's also Thank many either. good things. There's also many good things we have that came because of that. So there's a, yeah. Oh, yeah. But, um, oh, so funny, funny, quick aside about last of us and being scared. Mm -hmm. I got a call from my buddy, Jared, who was living out in California and he, he wanted to tell me a funny story and he goes, all right. Mm -hmm. He goes, this, this can only happen to me. And I'm like, what happened? And he goes, all right. He goes, so, so my girlfriend is out in wine country because her job was, you know, she was like a sommelier for beer companies and would go out and like pitch beer at like wine mm -hmm. tastings. And was, so she's out of cell phone range. He's right. like, so I'm in my apartment and we have a dog and I'm like, oh Jesus, I, I can think uh -oh. I see where this Here is going. And he goes, and I'm playing the last of us. He goes, and let's just say an edible kicked in. <laughs> and i went all right he goes and i lose power i lose power and now can't get a hold of my girlfriend and my mind jumps 2500 conclusions <laughs> to there's been a zombie apocalypse right. and i need to get the fuck out now he goes so i'm packing a bag and i got the dog he goes and i literally go to walk out the door and go jared the game you were just playing 
is not real life. <laughs> he said, but I had myself convinced enough to like pack a bag. He's like, leave like five like messages. I'm coming to get you. Don't worry. <laughs> like, we'll be fine. I'm like, that's hilarious. That's amazing. <laughs> He's like, only me, man. Only me. Very, very. Edibles. <laughs> and, okay. And I've actually not played the game yet. Um, A, a, a friend, a Twitter friend, a, a friend of the show actually uh, found out that I got a PS4 for Father's Day and said, there's a package coming for you and shipped me his copy of The Last of Us. He's like, you must awesome. play this. And so that's that's on the docket. I'm I'm beating Maneater right now. Nice. Maneater is it's so trashy and, and I love it. <laughs> It's, it's not a, it's not a good, well, it's not a good game in the way that a movie, if they made a movie like Maneater, it wouldn't be a good movie, right. but it's an awesome game and they had so much fun with it. Yeah. I met the guys who worked on it, um, at their booth at PAX East and like, uh, it's on my short list to buy. Like that's a game I would stream, it's right? Wonderful. Because it's just wild. Right. And it's Chris Parnell narrating, which like what what that i mean that makes anything amazing so yeah what's wonderful about parnell in it too is that he he mixes in real facts about sharks with ones that aren't real and says them with the same (laughs) conviction (laughs) so you'll be like he'll say something that's very real and then he goes the bull shark is actually capable of walking on its hind fins for up to 15 feet you'd be like (laughs) wait what what (laughs) (laughs) it's amazing it's it's a wonderful game it it's it's a revenge story a wonderful yep. wonderful revenge story <laughs> yeah it's definitely on the short list to play uh, i loved what i saw of it and what i played of it um so it, I, i'm glad to hear that it's a lot of fun it is it's it's awesome and that was like you know bob bob knew that i fell in love with that at pax east and so for father's day he, there was a ps4 and man eater and i'm like oh nice. my god that's very sweet because because the, awesome. the weave the switch version of it got delayed and i was yep. bummed Yep. And so, so he made it happen. <laughs> like, that's super cool. That's really awesome. That's the kind of brother he is, man. He's I, a good dude, that Bob Chipman. He, he I'm is. a fan. Um, so, you know, God, um, so you, you, you're doing the streaming thing. That's going awesome. What, what, what else do you, you know, you got something to shout out? Like what, what, what's going, what's going on in the world of everything you do that you want to point people towards besides the fact that you make, as many podcasts <laughs> as me and or more and you're you know crazy and and what, what's coming up i mean you've got twitch friends but you know what's coming up what, what's the next on the docket after dragon age sure so um uh i mean if people want to check out the stuff i'm doing the best place to go is twitter.com slash dj underscore stormageddon because i never shut up there and i post everything i'm doing there yep. um but that said, um, some big stuff that's coming up, like I'm about to wrap up Dragon Age in um, on uh, streaming and then I'm going to keep doing like episodic kind of like the same game for a while because I found that that's a lot of fun for flow. And so I've put up a poll of whether I should go back to Dead Space 3 and finish it, uh, start the Mass Effect trilogy again, because why not? Uh... Um you know, or, you know, if folks want to suggest stuff. And so that's a current Twitter poll up on my Twitter. Um, that'll probably be over in the next week or two. Um, and so we'll see. I'm not sure. I have a feeling Mass Effect's going to win out if I know my followers. <laughs> but we'll see. Um, beyond that, as far as podcasting goes, 
Um, three of my shows that I do are on the Certain POV Podcast Network, which is a nerdy podcast network with tons of different shows, each with a unique point of view. Um, like I said, Screen Snark, which is my media podcast, Reignite, which is my uh, Mass Effect podcast and Fun and Games, which is my gaming podcast. They're all there along with we have a Superman podcast. We have a literature podcast. We have um, another movie podcast called Let's Rewatch, where a group of friends rewatch movies with a guest that are at least 10 years old or older to see if they hold up, um, where they talk about the, their expectations pause in real time, go watch the movie and then come back and talk about it, which is really cool. Um, I really love that. I've been a guest several times. I was a guest for Scott, their Scott Pilgrim episode, which was so much fun to talk about. And I can't quite believe is actually 10 years old, which is a little scary to me. Um, uh, and beyond that, uh, you can find Crash Chords Autographs, uh, which I will hopefully have Chris on in the future. Um, anywhere yes. you get your podcasts. Um, it's an interview series, not uh, so much unlike this, where I bring creatives of all kinds to talk on it. Um, most recently, I had the incredible Jason Ritter, who is the the voice of Dipper Pines in yes. Gravity Falls, among many other things. Um, he was a delight to have on the show. Um, and then I, I am the producer of Shut Up Evan, which is a podcast about gay shit and pop culture it's a delight he's an awesome host we recently did an episode with retta from good girls and from parks and rec um yeah but if like i said all of that is too much to follow and you've already stopped paying attention that is a-okay just go to either twitch.tv slash dj underscore stormageddon or twitter.com slash dj underscore stormageddon or dj stormageddon.com it's all there too nice and simple for you and he's he's a great follow and a fun guy to interact with. <laughs> Thank it, you very much. Seriously, no, it, it's and and you know you're you're like I I have a hard time with this and I'm still working on mine and figuring it out. But I you know your branding has always been on point because it's like <laughs> you know looking at you sitting here the way you know the the way that you look when I'm looking at you talking here you know very much looks like your Twitter pro profile picture and then like uh. your your cover is you making a version of yourself in Fuser and it's like yeah that I I know what I'm getting with this guy you know you know what oh. I mean and that's that's really important because what like I don't know. It's just so many people are pretending to be something, and yeah. and I'd I'd rather just be me. Yeah, no, I think authenticity is important. I think it's why I um I became such big fans of you and your brother is because it always was was very honest and like. Uh, it was actually an absolute thrill earlier this year, although it was because Bob was sick and we were all worried about him. But uh, for you to actually do episodes of the big picture and to do it, it's like. This is really cool. Another creator I like, who's the brother of a creator I like, doing his show with his brother's script. Like, it just it was such so fun to see that. And it like, it was it was one of the coolest things, <laughs> and I was terrified <laughs> because it's like you know I I have I have a fan base, sure, and I, and I love having a fan base. It is not the same as Bob's fan base, even no. though there's, even though there's carryover, but also it's like, you know, I managed to just by being genuine and nice, like mm -hmm. it, it, it sucks, but I get, you know, I get weird messages from people that don't like my brother that'll say, Hey, your brother's a piece of shit, but I genuinely think you're awesome and would love to do something with you one time. <laughs> and I'm like, no like no, you know, like what what would but but also him asking me to do that you know it's like that's 
that's a self-esteem like like I, I started getting like worried because I'm like that's me putting my voice out there for the wolves to devour you know what I mean and so he was like you got to do this and I stepped right because a lot of people said you know you should have someone you know be your voice and he sent me a message while I saw people suggesting that on Twitter and saying Chris if I sent you a script would you read it and I, you know, was like, of course, yeah. but then I sat down here in this exact seat that I'm talking to you in and like, looked at it and I'm like, so how do I go about this? Like, <laughs> do I do an impression of my brother or right. do I just talk it in my speed, you know, and, and, you know, interpret it the way that I would do. And so that's what I did. And he, he said, he goes, you made this easy, dude. He goes, I <laughs> wish he goes, I, maybe I should just start writing the scripts and having you do the talking all the time. <laughs> and, and that, that made me feel really good because that's awesome. he, because he's fucking smart. Yeah. He is. You know what I mean? And like, I can't hold it. And I, and I feel like because he made me the host and him, the color commentator on the tangent, yeah. It goes in the direction my brain wants it to go in. Cause if I let him lead the charge, <laughs> it would be like, Hey, Bob talked and Chris kind of went, yeah, like everybody, <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Like totally. what, he, what he said, man, like, I don't, I get it. And, <laughs> and, and, and that's, that's again, you know, everything I have and every bit of confidence I have in this respect comes from him totally. and God, I, I know that he doesn't have time to listen to all my shows, but if he did listen, that was an honor. Yeah, and it's it's a bummer. I mean, it will always be up there on the escapist, and it's like I don't fucking care yeah. if it. But yeah. it, it's it's a bummer that the pandemic sucks, and you know that they had to cut you know things out over there because that was yeah. going really good for him. But at the same time, he owns all his shit, so yeah. now he doesn't have to use the big picture again. Yep, which is which is awesome. Yeah, totally. But uh, you know, oh, dude, I another I love I love meeting new friends because I could talk to you for hours. Uh, <laughs> A funny, a, a funny thing before I close out, because I, I do, I do want to go pass out, but um, <laughs> sure. you know, I, I would also like to say, number one, you're welcome back on anytime, and I can't Thank wait, you. wait to be on the show. But uh, a funny thing you mentioned earlier, you get somebody on, and then you realize something about, you know, you get someone on an interview, and you just never really know like what you're gonna get. Especially when it's someone like that you like admire and someone that was like on your bucket list. I didn't realize how big of a deal a particular person was that I interviewed just recently. And whether it airs before or after this episode, I, I don't care. But do you know who Graham McNeil is? Sure, of course. Yeah. Okay. So I know who Graham McNeil is because I read a novel that he wrote. Right. I, I read a Warhammer novel because I've been learning about Warhammer from the Geeks with Shields guys. Mm -hmm. And I was and they had him on. So I was like, oh cool, he's a Warhammer guy. I'll have it on. So as I do, I don't do a ton of research about people I'm gonna have on mm -hmm. other than, you know, I don't want to walk in and go, Hey, you're Graham McNeil, so you know, you're the guy that plays hockey. You know, I at right. least want to say you wrote this, but I feel like it you, you I interview so many people that I can't be like, and I'm a fan of every single goddamn thing you do because it wouldn't be genuine. You know right. what I mean? It's I want to talk about, it's like, I want to talk about this Warhammer book he wrote. So I still approach it the way I do any conversation. I try to, you know, go, Oh cool. So what got you there? You know, and this, and now I'm listening to him talk and I go, all right, this guy's saying this. So I'm doing a Google search while I'm talking to him. And I'm like, Holy shit, no, he's like a multi-time New York Times bestselling author. And oh, he works for he's a senior writer for League of Legends. Yeah. I'm like, 
this thing's going to be, I'm like, this is a big guest. (laughs) And he was, the reason I felt that is he was so, people are just people. He was so down to earth. His kid was over on Zoom school in the room beside him and his wife was doing like a a workout in the other room. Like the, and he's got his miniatures all behind him. (laughs) But the coolest thing when you like, you know, see, I got a little, like I'm at the beginning of this and I'm like, shit, you know, do I have the freaking wherewithal to talk to this guy i'm gonna sound like a blithering idiot and uh do you know what salad fingers is of course i love salad fingers so so remember so and again we're we both know what salad fingers salad fingers is amazing and it's Mm -hmm. terrible and it's all of that stuff all at the same time when is the last time you met a guy who was born in the 60s uh it's been a while (laughs) <laughs> but but I think that's when he's he's at least 10, if not 20 years older than me, Graham McNeil, right? He's got a coffee mug right off screen mm-hmm. and he picks it up to take a sip. And they're looking me right in the eyes as fucking salad fingers ah, on his nice. coffee mug. And I just broke and I went, oh, Hubert Cumberdale, you taste like soot and poo. <laughs> and he started dying. And that's nice. when I knew this interview was going to be great. I'm like, when, like, he's like, he goes, dude, he goes, I bought this mug like 13 years ago. He goes, nobody knows what it is. And I'm like, it's friggin' salad fingers. <laughs> it made me so happy. Yeah, that's awesome. When you always find an in with people, uh, especially people you don't know, like, I was nervous about interviewing Grant Kirkhope, but once we talked to him for five minutes, I was like, oh, this guy's just like a punk rocker who grew up like just 10 years earlier than me because I'm in my mid 30s. Like, yep. We're we're the same person. He's just a little bit older. And like that, like just brought the tension completely down. So it's like, oh, this is just an old school rocker who got into video game composition and is still that guy. Like finding that meeting, meeting um, interviewees where they live in that way is really great. And like, you know, I know you through the Internet and I know you through your brother. And like, I had no idea how this would go. I was confident that it would be fun. But, you know, you never know. And I'm I'm just so honored to be here. I've been a fan for a while. I love the shows. I love what you do. And uh, and this was like a bucket list item to come on the show. And I'm really happy to be here. That that makes me so happy. And it I I have no all I can say is thank you. You're welcome. I, I, again, I, I like to think I'm a good host. Um, people tell me that I am, apparently I have a gift for this, I guess, but I have battled with self-esteem issues and other things my whole life for long enough that I'm just being me. So if this is naturally what I do, great. And, and if people like listening to it, great. One, One other fun one, because I'm just having such a fun time talking to you and I love sharing stories about how fun podcasts go. So I, I did a whole bunch of Salem Horror Fest stuff this year mm-hmm. and they were super nice to me. They gave me, you know, an access pass to the thing. I, I know one of the people that runs it. And mm-hmm. so it just, and again, not like, no, no, but I had them on an episode. Of, sorry. I had them on an episode of Talkbuster. Um, that you recently, well, Kevin Lynch is now Kay Lynch and. Yeah, and I, I, I and I messed that up during the show too. But I try my best with pronouns and everything else. And I, sure, I, I love, I love them to death. And I'm so happy that they're so open and okay with me. And they put on a great festival. And I'm interviewing this group of people that worked on this really cool um, indie horror film called Threshold. Mm-hmm. The movie was shot on two iPhones. You know what I mean? And they basically just did a road trip and they improved 99% of the movie. And you would mm-hmm. never know. It's and so I have like basically the whole cast and crew on this interview 
And I'm sitting there and we're talking and I'm like, okay, you know, I'm talking to a bunch of independent, you know, film people. So, you know, and we're, they're making a movie on iPhone. So it's no more of a big deal really than if me and my buddies got together and made a movie. So we're like the same people. And so, you know, you get comfortable with just shooting the shit with them as I do. And then this one girl was talking one of the actresses and she was amazing and she's she's the lead lead actor she's so good in the movie and she's like yeah she goes you know the the other day when i was talking to david fincher and i go (laughs) excuse me (laughs) what the fuck and then like so i heard that and just kind of let that process and go okay you know i'm just going to kind of let that go and then the guy who did the sound was talking about yeah and you know and he works with um um, you know, Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross there. And I go, who am I talking to? <laughs> so, so like I, I do a little Google on the names and I'm like, so this is a bunch of people that work in big hall. I mean, they're, they're you know, not lead actors in any of this stuff, but they've worked. And, and I realize, you know, we, we talk a bit more and they're like, yeah, they go, no, we all decided to make an indie movie together and we're indie people, but we've worked on, you know, like 20, 30, 40, 50, a hundred million dollar productions. And this girl is one of the secondary characters in Mank. Oh, nice. And, and I'm just awesome. like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, and so, so we're going through it and then, you know, having fun. And so I, I, I pin that in the back of my head. I gave, there's going to be something fun. That's going to come up in this conversation. And it, it was a perfect comedic beat drop. And I was really proud of it. And I, I couldn't do it again. If I, if I paid myself, but they're talking about their, they had to tape an iPhone to a rock mm-hmm. and the iPhone so like gaffer tape it to the rock and it fell off the rock and the guy had to swerve in the car for the shot, but it was the only shot they got and they almost broke the iPhone and they're going on. So then she said, then I had to come in and like lay under the car and do this. And it just sounded like a complete clusterfuck. And in the movie, you can't tell behind the scenes. And I waited for it to get quiet and I go, and ladies and gentlemen, three of these people work with David Fincher and then they all just started dying. And I, and I, and I I just thought that was great. And, uh, you know, it just, it's a reminder that, you know, there's, there's journeymen, there's people that just work and, and I guarantee you if, if, if you had time and they had time and weren't, you know, on that's the cool thing about podcasting is, you know, I'm not reaching out and paying anyone to be on my show. No one's paying me to advertise for them. They're not on the interview sect. You usually like when, when you or I get a big name on our show, it's usually someone that pops on Twitter and goes, Hey, the people I, I want to do a couple of slots of a podcast because it's way less stress than going in like on extra for three minutes. When, when I had Sandy Harding, the, the um, GM of the last blockbuster in the world, she keeps coming back on my show and I go, how is, how are you willing to give me an hour? You're on like the news and everything. She goes, she goes, yeah, it's so cool to be on like, you know, NBC and CNN and all these puff pieces. She goes, but I get five or 10 minutes with them and it's a whole day of prep and this and that. She goes, I can talk to you for an hour. And it's like, we, it's like, we're just friends. And I think, and I think even, you know, the, the big names, you know, like if you ever got like Spielberg on a podcast or ever got Kevin, I mean, Kevin Smith is the exception to the rule because he just seems to be personable with everybody all the <laughs> right. time. And I don't yeah. know how he does it. <laughs> if I ever had him on it, it I would die. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, there's just something about that. Like we found that human connection yeah, that totally. all of that other stuff is just, it's just fake. 
Yeah. And this isn't. No, not at all. Yeah. It's there's something about people uh people coming on to do a show like yours or mine or any indie podcast. It's like the ex there's an expectation to just kind of come and hang out, especially if you set the mood as just a casual chat show. And I think that just makes people more comfortable. Um yeah. And and like again, I've been lucky enough to talk to people just because I've reached out to them. I had Lisa Foyles yes. of formerly all that. They wrote a book um, like she was promoting her new young adult book. I think it's it's younger than young adult, um, but not quite kids book. But like she was um, promoting her fantasy book. And like she was like, yeah, I would love to come on and talk about my book. And I was like, great. And we did. And it was a blast. Like, I think people just want to share what they love. And if you give an avenue for that, it it, it just will work. Absolutely. It, it, it's super cool. Well, dude, I cannot wait to be on your show. And I cannot wait to talk to you again in any in any um, capacity. And I'm going to keep trying to watch the streams and try to crack the code of <laughs> what exactly Twitch. Because because I think it's wonderful. I just I want to try it and I want to yeah. try to figure out what my angle would be. You know, God, sure. I could. I, I don't know if there's a way to tie in the blockbuster thing with that. I mean, they did rent games. <laughs> like I could figure, you know, <laughs> I don't know. It, there weren't enough like blockbuster exclusive video game rentals. There were some. No, there but, were a uh, few. Uh, but anyway, um, thank you so much for shooting the shit with Chippa, um, good sir, and and thank you everyone for listening. And we'll both talk to you on our respective things and together very soon. Thank you, everybody. This was a blast. Take care.